I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here, with a special Poetry Month podcast. In this special, I'll be reporting to you on a number of things. A couple of writing tips from recent poet laureate Billy Collins. Then we'll look at some poems written by Kodijin, a Japanese poet who wrote in both Japanese and Chinese, from the book Old Taoist. And finally, we close with a tribute to Sam Hamill, who many of you know passed away recently. Let's start with Billy Collins. The first time I saw Billy read was uh, back in Illinois, and he read at the public library for a local writer's group. This was before he was a poet laureate, and there were probably 20 or so people there in the audience. And then we all went out for coffee and a muffin, and it was a very pleasant evening. Some years later, I saw him read downtown Chicago at the Poetry Center's beautiful new building, and people were lined up around the block. And that's good, because his work deserves it. He's insightful, he's funny, he's interesting, entertaining, just a a wonderful poet, and a really pleasant person. And then last week, I had the chance to hear him read in Manchester, Vermont, and there, the venue was a private high school gym and there were at least 300-plus people there, which was wonderful to see, and folks really loved what he had to say. So in the course of his reading, he mentioned some things about writing poetry, and how he writes poetry. Someone, I think a student, maybe asked this in the Q&A, and he said, well, you know, since uh, 9-11, and we're living in an age of terror, there's a phrase you hear at the airport, and the train stations, and, you know, at the subway, and it's, if you see something, say something. And he said, that's a great admonition for writing poems. If you're stuck, if you see something, say something. Write it down, and maybe, maybe it'll turn into a poem. Another rather uh, seemingly off-the-wall suggestion that he tossed out was, He says sometimes when his students hand in the poem and he thinks it's really kind of blah, kind of lackluster, he suggests, why don't you just bring in a cat or a dog into the poem? The poem doesn't have to be about the cat or dog. Just have them make an appearance. It it tends to brighten up the poem a bit. (laughs) Anyway, I give you those two ideas from Billy Collins. If you see something, say something. And when in doubt, introduce a household pet and see what it does for your poem. Now, the reason we're going to move, it may seem odd, we're going to move to Kodijin, the Japanese poet who wrote around the turn of the, you know, from the 1800s to the 1900s there. He wrote in both uh, Japanese and Chinese. Is because in his book, Old Taoist, I really can recommend this book to you. They're wonderful poems, if you like those sort of poems. He has some poems called Things Seen, or Things I've Seen. They're short little poems that report observations. And just to let you know how that goes, I'm going to read a few. Here's a poem called Things Seen. A bright moon illuminates accumulated snow. 
the cold gleam trembling on night mountains. Silent and alone, way above the high plains, in solitary flight, a single bird soars. That's it. He also has some poems that he calls impromptu. And they seem to be in the ballpark of the things seen. Check out this impromptu. I pluck my lute, not yet gone to bed. Heaven and earth, one heart at peace. On this pure night, I open the door to look. Wind-blown pines, moonlight flooding the mountain. I hope you enjoy these poems. I find I find it rather easy to uh, get into them being surrounded by mountains here in Vermont, as you know by now, because I've mentioned it enough. Here's another one. This one's called What I See. Over wild mountains, all birds flown off, setting sunlight shining with autumn feeling. A monk returns down a road of white cloud, A bell sounds from a temple of yellow leaves. I have to mention that these poems were all written by Kodijin in Chinese, and the translations are by the absolutely wonderful translator Jonathan Chaves, who gave us the Columbia Book of Later Chinese Poetry and also translated the poems of Yang Wan Li, uh, both fabulous books. Chaves writes translations that read like excellent as excellent poems in English. And a final little poem from Kodijin, What I See. Ancient trees, a path that slants through them. A hidden bird, alone, pecking at the moss. No people at all. Mountain fruits are falling. Facing the sun, wildflowers bloom. So, some works by Kodigen, translated by Jonathan Chaves. Now, I'd just like to pause a bit and, and pay tribute to Sam Hamill, who recently passed away. He was probably most best known to many people as the poet who turned down an invitation from Laura Bush to attend a poetry event at the White House in 2003. He was disgusted by the invitation and absolutely refused to go and instead started up what was called Poets Against the War. There was a website. People were invited to send in poems. I think ultimately over 10,000 poems were submitted. There was also an anthology selected from those 10,000 poems that was turned into a book that that was printed and published. Uh, as I recall Sam telling it, he was uh, kind of a, a, a grown-up street kid, like a, a young adult orphan uh, when he was in, I guess, San Francisco because he ran into Kenneth Rexroth. I don't know if it was a bar or a coffee house or, or City Lights, I don't know, but Rexroth kind of took him in, mentored him, and, and kind of to kind of straighten out and get serious about poetry. And uh, he certainly accomplished a lot once he got on, really got on the poetry path. He's a founder, co-founder rather, of Copper Canyon Press. He has given us some of the great translations 
of some of the old Chinese poets and his translations, uh, like Jonathan Javes, read as excellent poems in English. You know, the, the first time I heard Sam read, again, this was in Chicago, and it was at the Chopin Theater, and a little room they had in the basement where things like poetry readings could happen. I thought this was a big deal because I knew his work. And I thought, whoa, this is great. Sam Hamill He's published all these books. It's just fabulous. So I got down there early to be sure I could get in. And there were about 13 people there. And most of them, I think, I think 10 or 11 of them were students of the other guy, whoever it was, who was reading with Sam. So... Uh, it was a wonderful reading and, and particularly good for me because uh, I was familiar with Sam's work and uh, I was interested in him personally. So I forget who was running the show, but they were just very happy that Sam and I could just sit there on a the stool in the back and have a really nice animated poetry conversation during the intermission. And then we went back and, and Sam read his poems. Now, just uh, not too long after that, maybe a month or so, was when Sam turned down the invitation to the White House. And then he was given a reading somewhere in California, and it was like a Billy Collins event. People were lined up around the block. The place seated about 300. It was full to overflowing. And uh, he had a, a brief <laughs> moment there in the media known to many people and and his readings attracted large audiences, which is, was really nice. Um, anyway, I'm gonna. That's just a little bit about Sam. He's a was a really really dedicated poet, publisher, editor, and uh, we're all gonna miss him and his contributions. Here's a poem that he wrote late in life, and I love the theme. <laughs> I love the poem and have a lot of affection for the many poets he mentions in the poem. This is called Elegy for Old Masters. Suddenly old and once again sleepless, I rise in the night and slip outside and climb the steep narrow steps to my terrace to gaze up again at the southern skies. I've learned to find the Southern Cross and the Three Marias, but all the rest remain a distant bafflement of barely dancing lights on a moonless night in Buenos Aires. Those who loved and taught me long ago, those who spoke of solidarity and struggle, are mostly dead and gone, their bodies burned or buried. Sad-eyed Rexroth, who loved wandering in the mountains, became a mountain. Levertov, my dear Denise, who often spoke of revolutionary love, is another faint light in the heavens. Tom McGrath, who grinned and said his poems were either tactical or strategic, raised his weary voice and head in wild Irish joy, even as he lay dying in his hospital bed. And Brother Carruth, so troubled in his long life, found serenity in the end through poems for his beautiful wife, and proclaimed with a laugh that he was becoming the Dalai Lama. These skies are a little brighter tonight, because they trod this battered earth and felt the sufferings and modest joys of others, 
and turn their full heart songs against the killing machine that is our nation. But where are revolutionary poets today? Poetry's become a minor industry, literature a business run by bureaucrats. Every poet's a teacher, technique the winery sea in which ideas drown. Who shall please the Guggenheims, the Linnaeus, the MacArthurs, and suddenly be declared a genius? Money and ambition are poisons in the well at which true muses drink. Poetry becomes a commodity peddled by the well-fed dogs of corporate duplicity. No one makes a sacrifice. I long to hear once again more old Elridge say a poem, grin, and break into a chorus of willow weep for me, and tell my prison class, write only that one poem you would die for, the poem that frees you from your chains and learn to love not the song but the singing. I would die to hear June Jordan's cancer-stricken voice ask me again to publish her collected poems. We were warriors for peace in a world of wars that never ended. Wars against the poor, against women, wars for bananas, sugar, copper, gold, silver, oil. I learned democracy from the noble Iroquois and walked the sacred path of the Navajo and Hopi, whose history has been erased along with their faces, names, and holy places. Viva Zabatistas! Whatever our crimes, we did not rent or sell our souls. Now, toward dawn, I think of those whom I so loved on this long, wakeful night alone, my journey almost over. High overhead, the mysterious stars pass by in silence. A soft wind rustles the leaves of trees along Cale Gorite. I go back down the steps and into the house, pour my wine, and raise my toast. Salutations! Old friends, my guiding lights, it is almost the end of night, almost time for me to sleep. That is a poem by Sam Hamill, Elegy for Old Masters. It was published in the Cafe Review, and it's a wonderful thing they did, publishing that poem, the Cafe Review. I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this has been Poetry Spoken Here. Join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter Monley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetry spoken here. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetry spoken here. For more about today's show and other poetry spoken here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetry spoken here at gmail.com.